0: In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today's um, matins gospel and in the liturgy gospel, we see um, a disease that most of us humans have, which is never being satisfied with what we have. In the morning gospel and matins, we see our Lord giving the example of the parable of the workers. And we see that the, the, the owner of the place has hired somebody to do work for him. And they, we assume that all of the negotiations have been done. They've decided on their <laughs> wage, they know exactly what their income is going to be. And even still, even though they knew what they were going to get, they were still angry at the end of the day because how dare the owner decide that he wants to pay someone else that he hired the same wages. And he sees this as a great injustice, um, as though it was his money um, that he was entitled to. And we see the same thing in the story of the prodigal son. And often we think, as humans, that when we look at other people, when we look at how other people are living and we compare ourselves, we think that it's a strange idea that somebody could have it all, as they say, and walk away from it. Right, many of us look at the people and like, "Oh, if I had that, I wouldn't complain. If I had that, I would never leave that. If I had such and such situation, I wouldn't complain. Everything would be fine." And so we we seem shocked when people leave it, but we see that the prodigal son had everything. Right, there was nothing that he didn't have. He had wealth. Um, probably had fame when he left. Security, he had family, he had help, he had servants um, it seems to be he had friends because he had heard about the outside world somehow, so he's not living in a bubble. Um, he had expensive clothing. we know this because of what happens to him later. good food, right his dad has lambs and cows and and clearly wasn't fasting like we are he had he had everything, and yet he left it. Adam and Eve also had everything and left it. Lucifer had everything and left it. And so the disease that we need to see is why is it that you can have everything and still decide that you want to leave? And the reality is that we are all the prodigal, right? None of us here is not the prodigal son, right? We have... Two different types of repentance during Lent, right? We see the prodigal son, which is somebody who is in the household and left. And we have the Samaritan woman, somebody who is outside of the fold that Christ goes to get. All of us here are prodigals because we're baptized. Okay, so all of us are people who were within the households, okay, that received something and that we choose to walk away from. And so what are the things that entice us to walk away? Sometimes it's just fantasy. It's an imagination of a life um, we want to live. So sometimes we have in our mind some ideal that we want to live. Perhaps we want to be a famous singer. Or we want to be an actor, um, and maybe we want to be a new Mother Teresa. Sometimes we want to be a priest or a bishop. So sometimes even what we dream about might not even be outwardly bad, right? It might not necessarily be that I want to do something evil. Sometimes I want to do something that I think is is heroic. But I have this imagination, I have a fantasy about something else that I want to live. And this can be the beginnings of our leaving the house that we're in. There's a story in the Paradise that I like. A certain brother lived by himself, okay, he was a a, a hermit, and he was disturbed in his mind, it says. And so he went and sat with Abba Theodore of Parmi, and the old man said unto him, Go and humble your mind and submit yourself to live with the brethren. So this man was gone to live as a monk, but he is a hermit. And so this elder is saying, Stop living as a hermit, go live in the community of monks. And he went and did as the old man had told him, and took up his abode with the other men. And he went back to the old man and said to him, Father, I am not content to dwell with other men. Then the old man said to him, If you are not content to live either by yourself as a hermit, or in the community... Why did you come to be a monk? Is it not necessary to endure trials? Tell me how long you have lived this life. And the brother said to him, eight years. The old man said to him, truly I have led the life now for 70 years, and not one pleasure has come by me this whole entire time. And yet you wish to find rest in eight years. right? You're, so one is that this person probably came to the monastery having this vision of, I'm going to be the holy man. Right? I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the guru. I'm gonna lock myself up in the cave. I'm gonna be like Saint Arsenius. I'm gonna be like Saint Anthony. And I'm gonna be bleeding oil soon and, and doing miracles. Right? Found that it wasn't working out so well for him. So then he decided, no, you know what? The issue is that I'm by myself. Then I'll go live with the brethren. Went with the brethren. He couldn't stand them. Why? Because he had no idea what to do. Right? All he could do was live in his mind somewhere other than where he is. Right, His mind, his fantasies, imaginations had taken um, himself from, from where he is. He wasn't content, he wasn't satisfied with his position. Sometimes what takes us away from our home is lust and curiosity, wanting things. We might see people living in a different way than ourselves, who seem to be having fun. This is exactly what happened to the prodigal son. Right, to him, what he saw was a bunch of people are living in a different lifestyle. It looked pretty fun. I'm sure that they did have a good time, as the prodigal son did, so we often do, and so we have this curiosity of of you know what what makes these people um different? Why are they okay? They seem to be okay, right, without living the same way that I am. I have all these rules. I can't do this, I can't do that, and I life is horrible. Right? And sometimes it does, again, it doesn't always have to be evil. I'm not just talking about somebody doing something wrong, but just simply saying they're not like us. And sometimes it's seeing someone do something wrong, but it looks so very pleasurable that one wants to know what it's like to experience that. And that begins a slippery slope of saying, well, what's the big deal? Right? What's the big deal if I just insert activity here? And sometimes we're lusting for a position. But to get to that position needs me to reject something right that I presently do. Maybe to move up in sales, for example, I have to go places that I shouldn't with clients so that they feel pampered, right? In the business world this is this is common. And my lust for the position might overcome my willingness to do what's right, right? Is that I want the position more than I care to do The right thing. My lust for being more powerful or more rich is more powerful than my acceptance of where I'm at, right? For example, Lucifer, right? Lucifer was in the heaven of heavens, second only to God, and that wasn't enough for him, right? His lust for power drove him further. But the result of this can be unintentional carelessness, right? Carelessness is not always intentional. An unintentional unintentional harming of ourselves as we pursue these new curiosities, we start to walk away from things that were keeping us alive and healthy. Think of someone, for example, who wants to be an Olympic figure skater, who their whole life has been used to daily practice, waking up early, daily gym routines, um, daily stretches, daily you name it. But suddenly this person becomes curious as to how everybody else is is living, so perhaps she'll start socializing more at night, okay? And that takes away from her stretching time. Perhaps she'll be out late, and so she starts to be tired in the morning, and maybe doesn't drill as hard at practice in the morning. Then maybe she doesn't even go to practice as frequently, because of how tired the person is. None of this was an intentional straying from the goal, right? This person did not wake up and say, I've decided I'm not doing this anymore. They didn't say, i decide decided I'm going to not give my best. The person, in wanting to do something else, was walking away from something right without knowing what was happening. But then we do have people who walk away from the home, who are dissatisfied with the home, because they're angry. They're angry and they're rebellious. Sometimes we've been wronged. And sometimes we haven't been wronged, but we think we've been wronged. Sometimes someone we know got sick, or someone that we care about passed away. Sometimes there's a job that we've been wanting so badly and working so hard toward and it's gone. Either we didn't get it or it was taken um, away from us. Someone we respect maybe does something totally wrong, a priest or a bishop or a servant. Does something horrible, so we feel outraged and decide to rebel against it by, by not going. Maybe your spouse conducts him or herself so well at church, such that he or she gets so much praise while at home the spouse is an entirely different person. And so you hate religion and what it stands for, right? Because you see that this person who is not living anything righteous is getting praised in church, and so you end up being angry and rebellious at this. Maybe you're aware that someone else who appears religious actually has a double life. So you decide that all people of religion are the exact same. They're all hypocrites. Sometimes you have a parent who looks so holy at church, but uses religion at home to control to control me. Religion might be used wrongly and to the parent's advantage, and that might also make the child hate religion and all that religion stands for. The result of this now is now an intentional carelessness, right? There's the unintentional and then there's the intentional. An outright contempt for anything deemed as right or holy an intentional seeking out of the wrong crowd to show that it's not wrong, an intentional rejection of the daily practice of religion, an intentional walking away from God towards spiritual coldness. This is our figure skater suddenly being so angry at figure skating, okay, not at anything else, that she self-injures in various ways or sabotages the idea of skating and goes out of her way to make sure she never skates again. Right? These are all behaviors that all of us do at various times. Sometimes it's attention-seeking, okay? Sometimes this is is what we want. For example, the older brother in the story is, is very dissatisfied that he's not getting the, the party. Perhaps at home, I'm not the center of attention, right? The younger brother before he left may have felt that he wasn't getting enough attention and that maybe others would care for him more. People tend to have interest in things that appear to be exotic to them, right? When I... Whenever I would visit Egypt as as a youth, everybody would be so fascinated as the Canadian, right? What is he about? What do you do in Canada? How do you do this? What is... There'd be be a, a billion questions. After a few visits, they couldn't care less anymore where I'm from or who my family is, right? The novelty is done, right? But whenever something is new, it has with it all of the questions and the curiosity that perhaps we feel we want to always be seen with this level of attention and that over time, naturally that kind of dies away. Sometimes we're just bored, right? Feeling like what is done from day to day is too routine. And often we don't realize that there's still new things to learn, but it is us who are settling for being stagnant, even though there's more to do. If the son had been interested, for example, the prodigal son had been interested in taking on more responsibility, he probably could have. If the son had been interested in knowing what the history of the family was, he probably could have. If the son was interested in starting some project within the house, probably he could have. But the reality is that sometimes we're just bored, and instead of dealing with boredom in a healthy way, we decide to just not do anything, right? And so we become cold and stagnant within our own homes, which makes the idea of staying harder. And sometimes it's our arrogance, thinking that I know what's better or best. And this issue arises only when there's a conflict of will. It happens only when I want something, but someone or something else is saying no. And if I don't understand that no, then I often assume that the other person just doesn't yet know enough to have come to the same conclusion as me. Right? I'm not listening to why they're saying no, I'm assuming that if they disagree with me, something's wrong with them, right? It must be that they don't get me, because if they understood me, they would obviously come to the conclusion that I'm obviously right, right? Instead of thinking about the fact that maybe I'm not right. And if we, if we do this, right, we often become very argumentative. Instead of laying out why I think what I think and having a discussion, I won't stop arguing until I win, or I refuse to do anything other than my own will. Which means, again, that I think I'm right all the times, and it means that I'm close to hearing anybody else. When this happens, we usually start to be very sarcastic about things, right? And we often don't get fixed of this until we're humbled. I remember when I was a pharmacist, I received a prescription from a vet one time, and I think I spent 10 minutes mocking the prescription because of the drug that he had wrote that I was adamant didn't exist. And I looked it up on the Canadian compendiary, couldn't find it, and so I, I continued to mock even more until I got on a simple Google search and found out that that drug had been released in the United States, and it was the newest drug on the market, which meant that he was more advanced than I was at my own profession. right? But I only once I saw that, that's what humbled me, is that I had had a whole mockery for how long, as somebody who actually was more intelligent than myself, right? Is that when we have this spirit of arrogance, right, we tend to have mockery. We'll find that there are people in the church who nothing is okay. All they can do is mock, 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 and be sarcastic. Whereas I need to have a spirit of, of humility. More often than not, though, our reason for leaving is our weak relationship with our father. We don't know him, so we don't appreciate him. As children and youth, we often don't care about who our parents are, right? Because for decades, well, not decades, a decade, a decade and a half, maybe a couple, we've been used to getting things, right? We're used to taking from our parents. From the minute we're born, we're pampered because we we survive off of them. And so we get used to being takers and our parents get used to being givers. I didn't know until my late 20s 20s that I had common interests with my dad. I had no idea that I had similar traits to him or that we had much in common because I didn't care. I didn't care to know who he was. Sometimes we come to ourselves naturally and want to know about our parents and have strong relationships, but other times we're more fixed on pushing them away. We reject their advice, we reject their knowledge, we reject um, their help. We find them boring, we find them old-fashioned, we accuse them of meddling, even when they are teaching our kids good things. Sometimes we come around and we go through a hard time and realize that it's only ever going to be our parents who accept and love us unconditionally. And in spite of what we do to them, this is what they do for us. Often this is our problem with church, is that we don't know who our God is. We talk about Him, we talk about the system, we talk about the rituals, we talk about the church politics, we talk about who said what and who's angry with whom and who got to be this in the service and who wasn't allowed to do this in the service and how upset this person was. when they, We talk about all of those things. But how often do we talk about the Lord of the house? How often do we ask, what is the Lord's will? How often do we ask, who is God? How often do we ask, what is the gospel? How often do I ask, am I living that gospel? Because once I walk away from the knowledge of who is my God, then church just becomes a place like any other place. This is supposed to be the house of God. So what is the theme here? Discontentment, right? Lack of acceptance of our condition, Lack of accepting where we are emotionally, financially, or spiritually. It's a desire for something more than what I have, and seeking it in the wrong places or method. So how do we solve this? One is you need to learn how to accept your conditions. A certain brother who had vanquished Satan and everything, this is a story from the Desert Fathers, subsequently had his eyes blinded by Satan's so that he could not see. Yet this blessed man did not pray for himself and that he might be able to see. But he only prayed that he might be able to endure patiently his trial and through his constancy his eyes were opened. Right, This person didn't even bring himself to ask for healing. It would have been wrong for him to ask for healing. But he had learned so well how to accept every condition that he didn't even ask for healing. He just said, Lord, help me to continue to be able to accept it. That's all I want from you. Right, and the Lord saw his steadfastness and 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 cured him. I also need to learn to accept wrongdoings done to me. Another story from the fathers a monk was smitten by a man on the leg and was severely injured. But the holy man was neither angry nor wrathful with him that had smitten him, but he nursed the place wherein he had been wounded and made excuses for the man who struck him. Right? If we want to learn how to accept wrongdoings. We need to make excuses for the person who wrongs you. Not to look for revenge, and not for self-pity. To look to excuse the person, to accept the abuse, to be content with your personal rights being challenged. And what you'll become is a peacemaker. Your revenge will never bring you peace. Nobody has peace when they take revenge. In fact, all they do is recall what happened over and over and over and over and over, and they get more and more stoked. And say, what I did was the least I could have done to them. I could have done, insert all the different things that we do. Because injustice is going to exist whether you're a Christian or not. right? Regardless of whether you believe in our God, injustices will occur. People will wrong you because people care about themselves more than they care about you. So if you always take revenge... You will never be content where you are. You have to learn how, how to accept and then how to make excuses. Because our Lord, even on the cross, made excuses, right? In the middle of, of the mocking and the jeering, after having been whipped and tortured and scourged and had a crown of thorn on his head, what did he say? Lord, they don't, they don't understand. They don't know what they're doing, right? He made an excuse for them, even in the midst of his agony. Even while being murdered by his own children, he still said, they don't understand. He made an excuse. If you want to rise above your condition, learn how to make excuses. My father, confession, when I was in Canada, always had a rule for us when somebody upsets us. One, self-accused, look at where you've done the exact same thing as the person that is doing it to you. And two, make ten excuses, right? As as Make ten excuses on the spot for why this person might have done what they did because you'll calm down right? Maybe this person who cut you off in, on the road, maybe they're, they have an emergency need to get to the hospital. This person who lied to you, maybe this person who lied to you, their whole life has been telling the truth and it got them in so much trouble. So they've been conditioned to lying. It's not because they look lowly upon you. Find excuses for the person. Finding excuses doesn't mean saying that their behavior was right. As saying, I'm just going to understand what might have led this person to behave this way. We have to accept trials. Beware of wandering, okay? Beware of information that's given to you at the wrong time, right? There's many stories of monks who had this temptation to just go visit the world, just to see what it's like, right? And that was the beginning of their leaving their monastic life, the beginning of leaving their their vocation, of seeing a whole bunch of things like, yeah, I like that. Right? That wasn't around when I left. I'm going to I'm gonna do that. So, beware of information that will make you act in the wrong way. Right? Most of us, not most of us, none of us can do a sin without being aware of its existence. Right? If I'm not aware that something is an option, I'm not going to do it. Once I know about the option, that's when I'm going to think about doing it. Right? I'm not going to... I can't just randomly think to myself I'm gonna take the car out and go unless I know that I can drive and I know that there's a car and I know that there's a law saying not to do it. Right? These are the 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 things. There are healthy ways to have enjoyment. So the idea here is not to have no enjoyment, right? But rather than seeking it through wandering and curiosity, right? Do it in do it in the right way. Care more about helping others than yourselves. Instead of seeking to move up the ladder and to increase yourself, accept where you are, but look to raise up those that are around you. Show off other people, not yourself, right? If you want to be satisfied where you are, bring praise to others, right? If there's somebody in your office or somebody in your work or someone in your class or somebody on your team that isn't getting enough praise, instead of you wanting to be like the star of the show, why not draw attention to this person that isn't getting praise, Right, You'll find that you're content where you are, and you'll be happy because you're going to find joy coming in a different way than you're used to. Your joy isn't going to come from your pampering and your praise and your secular advantage. You're going to have joy that there's peace. You're going to have joy that there are people who are happy. You're going to have joy that people respect you, and in respecting you, they respect your Heavenly Father because you're becoming an image of Him to others. Make a point of... Learning from others, right? My dad always tells me now, learn from my gray hairs, Habib, is his line these last few years, which is valid advice, right? Is don't believe yourself to know everything, right? Ask questions rather than arguing. And you'll find yourself more content rather than contentious because you'll learn more, right? You'll find out more about God, about other people, about your family. You'll become more peaceful. Right, You'll find that the more you learn, the less likely you are to argue all the time because you'll understand that everybody's coming from a different place. Right, You'll find that there's so much knowledge you didn't know existed and so you don't view things the same way that you used to. Things that used to anger you might not anger you anymore. Things that you used to think were ridiculous, you won't think are ridiculous anymore. Listen to people, learn from others. If your parents or your children challenge you, Think on what they said and try and learn where there is truth in what they are saying. And you'll find that your household is more peaceful, right? If instead of just screaming at one another, you actually stop and listen, right, to what it is that the person is trying to say, things will be much more peaceful. Rather than you wanting to leave home or you escape your condition, you'll find that you are happy at home. learn to forgive if you are trying to learn because you feel wronged to leave because you feel wronged, think of all the times that you too have wronged others right, because none of you here myself included have never harmed people we've all harmed people, we've all wronged people and all these cases where you wrong someone, you're either forgiven by God or you wished to be forgiven by others so why must you reject people for their weaknesses? Right? If you yourself have weaknesses and you've been forgiven, then you too ought to forgive other people their weaknesses and where they might wrong you. Recognize that your lack of forgiveness is as big of a problem as the wrong that was done to you by somebody else. Because through humans will always come offenses. If you're seeking a world in which no wrong exists, Unfortunately, for you, you're not going to find it here, but fortunately you'll find it in heaven. So if that's really what you actually want, then seek heaven. Okay? If you want a place where there's no problems, go go there, right? Seek that place. But so long as you're on this earth, people are going to wrong you. So if you want to get there, live the gospel. Because family isn't a place of one, right? It's a community. In community we are forced to learn how to deal with our own weaknesses and the weaknesses of others right we're living in a a world of social media where we think we're living in community and we're not we're sitting on our phones and on our computers right but it's very convenient to deal with people from your phone because you can come and go as you please you can be in whatever mood you want and if you can't bring yourself to type it you have first you had emojis and now you have an emojis and you have every different way of expressing yourself to give a false impression of who you are and what state that you're in without having to actually deal with someone's physical company with you. But the minute you have physical company, you find out other people's weaknesses. Right? Even ask any married couple who've been married longer than a month, right? Is that is that you find that even the person you're madly in love with has things that can irritate you like crazy, right? Because humans are different. And we learn about our weaknesses and one another's only when we interact with one another. When conflicts arrive, we become aware of shortcomings. If I go to live alone, I live on my own terms. I'm just selfish, right? Because I can do whatever I want, wake up when I want, eat when I want, take what I want. Many marriages fall apart when each partner in the marriage wants the other to attend to his or her needs above anything else. And puts a secondary sacrificing for the other person, right? It's saying, if if, if he would only do this and this and this and this. And on the other side, well, if she would only. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. The community becomes broken because each cares for the self and not for the other. Family is the opposite. So finally, if you've decided to leave home and are just visiting your father's house, or if you've been living unhappily in your father's house, Go reconcile yourself to your father. Take the time to know him. Ask him who he is and what he wants. Tell him that you're bored or upset. There's nothing wrong with telling him that. Ask him to help you deal with your situation. And surely if you are sincere in this, he will show you what to do. And even if you're not fully sincere, he will still show you favor for seeking him, for wanting him, for even wanting to want him. He asked us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and that he would give us all of the rest of of our needs, so if you've been long gone for long, well, come back, right The Lord of hosts has humbled himself and contented himself with this family, and watches from afar, waiting for us to return to him, and He, in his infinite love, in spite of the abuse, in spite of the neglect, in spite of our ingratitude, wants to clothe us with the finest clothes and to feast with us upon our return. May the Lord grant all of us the spirit of contentment. And if we have been living selfishly, may the Lord grant us the repentance to turn from this to inherit the kingdom eternal. To him be glory and honor now and always into the age of all ages. Amen.